I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Cool it out. Chocolate! It doesn't say anything about a chocolate, does it? Hello and welcome to episode 102 of the Spool Podcast with myself, Nigel Wheatley, and co-host, Pork Mikio. Hello. Hi, yeah, we took um, a month off, but uh, we do plan to be back. We spent most of the pandemic sort of in a bit of a state of flux, uh, mainly because we couldn't go to the cinema, couldn't really watch films together, but we're going to try to get a few more podcasts out the door in 2022. Yeah. Yeah, kind of keep it monthly. Um, so we're starting now, you know, COVID struck as always, but um, yeah, we're we back to were, the monthly. We were on that lovely 100 episode nice yeah, feeling yeah. of satisfaction so look we draw a line in the sand the one thing we've never claimed to be conclusive in reviewing everything that's in the cinema that's even more apparent now lots of stuff missing uh from what we're going to talk about today but on the table today we're going to go through some of the films that made a bit of an impact over the last few weeks since we last did a podcast at christmas and um, we're going to look at the latest pedro almodovar penelope cruz collaboration parallel mothers Disney's, I guess, smash hit at this point, we could call it, Encanto. Paul Thomas Anderson's rompy teen adventure uh, that is uh, Licorice Pizza. The Oscar-tipped Belfast. The Scream, now I had to Google this, Requel. Yeah, yeah, the kind of coined that term in the film. Um, one of my many eye rolls during the film. And then possibly a few other things that are on Netflix or now TV or documentaries and stuff that we've seen. Um, we might even mention The Matrix Resurrections because that's the last film that we saw in the cinema together. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So anyway, do you want, what do you want to kick off with? Yeah, let's go with Encanto. Um, kind of, as you said, it's Disney's smash hit. Um, and probably everyone who's going to see it should have seen it at this stage. So we'll do a fairly spoiler. Yeah, free. and it's uh, on Disney Plus. It's great. Kind of one of the benefits to come out of the pandemic um, was streaming services kind of got their ass in gear. Except Spotify, who went backwards. Yeah, we can't talk about Spotify. Well, this is not a media conversation. We're not going to take our podcast off Spotify yet. We, we'll wait and see. Um, yeah, so it's on Disney Plus. Everyone can see it who has a subscription. Uh, it's really good. Um, it's set in Colombia. And it's about a magical family called the Family Madrigal. And each... I don't know what's it each year, but when a when a member of the family comes of age, uh, a door opens within the house, and when the person goes and touches the door, they get a magical gift. Yeah, kind of like the first communion tradition that Ireland loves. <laughs> yeah. We get dressed up, all the family give them money and their best wishes, um, but these guys get magical powers, such yeah. as the ability to talk to animals, yeah, uh, to hear really whispers, hear strength generate flowers and everything so our kind of guide at the start of the film is mirabelle who's played by stephanie uh, beatrice who, who i think we know yeah, yeah brooklyn, brooklyn 99 and she was also in in the heights which i haven't seen yes one of my musical discoveries of yeah. 2021 um so she never got uh, a magical power so you know spoiler alert um let's figure out by the end of the film that she is going to be you know she'll finally get her magical power and uh, she maintains that she's fine with it but as the kind of film goes on, you realise she's not that happy with it. And one of the really popular songs that I'm sure everybody's heard or seen TikToks or Instagram reels of is Nobody Talks About Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. You messed up. Sorry. You're not doing enough reels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, it's kind of, it's a really nice story. The musical, uh, the songs in it are brilliant. Um, the music is composed by Lin-Manuel Miranda. Apparently, it's the first film he's composed that he's not in or doesn't do a voice actor for. 
if IMDb is telling the truth. So really catchy songs. It's it did that funny thing when I when we went to play it where it's like this is one hour and fifty minutes. And you're like, oh that's a bit long. But it's ninety minutes and there's twenty minutes of like Disney and like Netflix post credits. Like here's all the thousands of people that worked on this film. The dubbing and the Yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, really enjoyed it. Like with most kind of animated films aimed at kids, there's quite a serious uh there's quite a sad element to what I thought with the whole Bruno character and family and the pressures of it. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. We um, have had the songs on in our house. There is a four-year-old uh, living rent-free in our house. And uh, the songs have been on a lot. I, for whatever reason, just never... I've way too much to watch. There's probably... We all do. Like, it's horrific the amount of content that we're all meant to be watching these days. So it's really hard to decide what you're going to uh, absorb. Um, but yeah, so I kind of knew all the songs beforehand and then had kind of pieced together a good bit of that because other people living uh, in my home had watched it a lot. Yeah. But yeah, the themes, you wouldn't really show it to like anyone maybe under seven or eight. Like, there's a fair bit of darkness with all the Bruno stuff and it's just the themes around um, South American uh, imperialism, imperialism and, that was yeah, the word. Yeah. It's quite, quite dark, mm. but um, I thought it was great. Like really, really liked it. Um and then how just some of the characters, it, it's just nice the way Disney films have sort of come full circle in however many years. And a character like Louisa, who is a sort of non-traditional hero and is like really, really strong and big and mask like muscly, mm-hmm. is actually probably one of the most relatable yeah. hero characters. And like, there's this big thing um, I was reading about where there's not enough merch uh, for her, like, you know, and a lot of people were looking for her stuff rather than the more traditional Disney characters of maybe Mirabelle and Isabella oh, yeah. and stuff. So that's kind of promising that yeah. stuff has has spun around that way. Yeah. It's great, yeah. When we're recording this, um, the Oscar nominations come out tomorrow. So I imagine it will feature heavily. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, you know, I would, I don't know if any other animations might knock it off. Uh, yeah, we'll Luca see. is another Disney one that was out. But Raya I'm, and I'm, the Last Dragon. It's a bit hard to date all these things, but no, I think yeah. this has to be. We haven't looked at odds. We're not going to talk really about the no, Oscars until the but next I, time. But I can't it has to be a strong favorite. A Pixar film in my head. Nothing is jumping out at me as competition. Yeah. So that's it. What you give it out of five? Uh, four. I'm four as well. Yeah, definitely yeah. a four. Hooray! Alignment, and that's on Disney Plus. Um, in case anyone didn't catch that or isn't aware, and it's called. <laughs> Encanto, E-N-C-A-N-T-O. Um, yeah. Yeah. Then the other one, I regrettably didn't get to see this in the cinema uh, with you because I think we pull in opposite directions on uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, but Licorice Pizza. Um, I saw it be- before you, which I was also yeah, just as yeah. a bit of frame of reference for anyone who hasn't listened to all 101 episodes of the Spool podcast. We tend to pull in opposite directions with this director where I think... Paul Thomas Anderson's a bit of a spoofer, bit of a spoofer, a bit of a you know yeah. snake oil salesman maybe. But I'm a proper fanboy, I think. Whereas you would you know bend over backwards. Uh, mm. And the reason why and you allowed... saw it before us was I was holding out for the 70 mil print in the IFI, which came out a week or two after the normal release, which was great. Anyway. Uh, spoiler i loved it but you can tell us what it's about again this probably is sort of in this limbo i think it's still showing in some cinemas but hasn't shown up anywhere on demand yeah it kind of did that thing where it's flagging it came out on i think stevens day or something like that so it was kind of like you maybe got to see it just at the end of last year or the start of this year um but because it's shot on film licorice pizza is probably going to be in that whole oh we're doing 70 mil things for two nights this week and 35 mil yeah 
it'll stuff. kind of do the rounds. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a coming of age film um, set in the oh, I'd say seventies um, in America. In some, very much the seventies, it's yeah. a very brown film, very orange. Yeah, brown. it's set in where Paul Thomas Anderson grew up as well. That specific um, borough of Los Angeles, like Los, LA, seems to be this real kind of. There is no center to it. It's all these yeah Encinos. Yeah. Yeah, so the main male lead is uh, Cooper Hoffman, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. And there's parts of it when you're looking at it where you're like, oh yeah, I can kind of see a resemblance. And um, it's a kind of a, a two-hander, double-hander with um, the female singer in the band Haim. And it's their kind of... It's kind of... it's very There's a big age gap between it, which I didn't notice at all, but has come in for some criticism since the film has come out. Now, it works in the way that it's... Uh, you know, the woman is much older. Uh, so it's, you're not kind of like, oh, it's a bit creepy. Like, if it had been the other way around, you were like, no, this, this wouldn't fly. But, yeah, but like, he's maybe 15 and she's like 22. Sorry. Yeah, and she's a bit older. And then there's a point with, there's a bit with Bradley Cooper when he's a cameo where she maybe says she's a bit older. So you're kind of like, how old is she? Um, But yeah, no, it's a really funny film. It's a lovely kind of sweet kind of coming of age film between the two of them. And it is so many... Uh, but it's mostly about friendship rather than romance. True, be because like n- yeah. not much kind of, you know, there's maybe one or two kisses in a kind of thing. Nothing serious. And it's quite an innocent um, relationship, I think. Um, it's really funny. Um, classic kind of Paul Thomas Anderson weirdness in it at different points. That kind of keeps the, the diehards, I'd say, you know, because it's quite a straight story at times. But then there's this... There's a whole waterbed um, side story that kind of comes out, like, and you're like, "All right, okay." Oh, it's, yeah, no, it's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. I was pl- very pleasantly surprised with how yeah. much I absolutely loved it. Towards um, the end, you're and like kind pinball, all these like just yeah. touch points in time that we can't really relate to it because we're no, but uh, we and were probably in the eighties the way people feel about the seventies in America. I yeah. Think. And he has a real, he's always fascinated by the industry and like with Boogie Nights, it's all, it's all about the porn industry, but it's that kind of movie. So there's lots, like at the start of the film, I felt that the main character was almost like a Kurt Russell because it kind of cuts to this, he's doing some weird back to like a Disney type show where it's a stage. Yeah. Yeah, Like all these kids and he's a child actor. And then there's nods. Did you pick up on the... Ta- like, I, I haven't read. I don't think it's that groundbreaking or anything. But there's a real nod to Taxi Driver when she goes and works for the, you know... Politician. S- politician, senator, yeah. mayor, mayoral candidate. who's actually one of the Safdie brothers. And, yeah, there was kind of... So there's lots of filmic nods, I think, throughout the film. And mad cameos were... When I was watching it, I'd kind of forgotten about that. Um, I did, yeah, you'd Tom watch it Waits again though. Kind of oh, yeah, pops yeah. up in it for like Sean 10, Penn. 15 minutes. Sean Penn, one of the Safty brothers. It's all these kind of people. Yeah, yeah everyone probably listening to this who's going to see it has has mm. seen it. But anyone who's on the fence about whether they need to dig out licorice pizza, it is a brilliant, it's just a romp and it's hilarious. And yeah. one of these real journey things where you could probably watch 20 minutes of it today, watch another 20 minutes mm. of it tomorrow because there's all these lovely little chapter points. Yeah. Um, there's the whole theme of movement in it too where like there's loads of scenes of people running towards each other just running there's great vibrancy in it um yeah people might think it's a bit slow but i think we're just so used to marvel films and action films where it's just jump cuts where like it it kind of takes the time it doesn't drag maybe watching it at home 
wouldn't have worked well for it. Like, you know, if they showed up somewhere. True. You might get a bit uh, distracted. Yeah. And so is it a, it sounds like a four and a half out of five. Maybe it's a five, four more. I think a four and a half it was, yeah. Yeah. Maybe I, on second view and get the five. Yeah. So we'll maybe put a date in the diary to to watch that in, in the home environment. Um, and that might be in the Oscar conversation, but probably not. Oh, uh, we'll see. Th- they think, I've kind of been listening to a few things. They think it'll get a Best Picture nod and he might get director. And that right. she'll get Best uh, Actress. I, I just remembered her line, uh, her name, it's Alana Heim. Um, she was just a standout, you know, really amazing performance. Yeah. And her first and al- performance. And alongside her two sisters, which made it very, very funny. And her mum and dad as well. Yeah, it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. All really, really good. Okay, so moving on, I got to see uh, Parallel Mothers uh, just last week. This is in the cinema right now um, in, a, in a loosely populated IFI, which somehow their booking system in the IFI in Dublin had put me beside another woman. And we both looked at each other and Colin was beside me on one side. And we're like, huh? And she just moved down a bit saying, well, this is dumb because there's about 15 people in this whole cinema. Yeah. Um, we won't get into the detail of online booking systems at the minute. But anyway, it was in Screen 1 in the IFI. Have you been back to Screen 1? Yeah, that's where we saw uh, Licorice Pizza. Um, oh, yeah. There's a good spot, if anyone wants a good seat, is just <laughs> behind. It's right by the door yeah. and where uh, wheelchair users would sit. So behind that uh, are great seats. Okay, yeah. very good. Duly noted, you're going to be... That's the seat you should buy. Because you can buy oh, seats. Yeah, or we yeah. should get... We'll, we'll get you that seat for yeah, your yeah. 40th birthday. <laughs> we will buy E1 um, and get your name um, on it with the logo of the podcast. You weren't actually allowed to do that when you had to sponsor the seat. You had to put a human's name. You were a business. I don't think was allowed to oh, do okay. it yet. Anyway, Parallel Mothers is the... Uh, it's Pedro Almodovar's latest film following on from Pain and Glory which was out I think three years ago and uh, Julieta which was a year or two before that both of those I thought were superb he's back with his seventh collaboration with Penelope Cruz um, and they're just so kind of comfortable with each other it kind of feels like you've seen certain elements of this film before I might read the description for you because I'm pitching it to you because you haven't seen it yet unfortunately Um, two women Janice and Anna coincide and end up um, accidentally, you know, in a hospital room where they are both going to give birth. Both are single and became pregnant by accident. Janice, middle-aged, doesn't regret it, and she is exultant. The other, Anna, an adolescent, is scared, repentant, and traumatized. I think, brackets, I think she was a victim of rape. Um, Janice tries to encourage her while they move like sleepwalkers along the hospital corridors. The few words they exchange in these few hours will create a very close link between the two, which by chance develops and complicates and changes their lives in a divisive way decisive way sorry so there we go that's the subscription yeah the, i've seen the, the trailer summary. for it yeah and it's basically their babies it, no spoiler their babies get swapped yeah uh, i didn't pick that up from the trailer but apparently it's quite obvious and i was just like oh i didn't notice yeah that, but um so it's he's definitely as a director this is him ticking all the boxes lovely bright uh female focused uh positive affirmations of of mm. melodrama seems like a negative word but it seems it, like that kind he, of very... yeah but no no he he loves it that and like dramatic music um and everything like that so it ticks all those boxes what is slightly different around it here other than the women's stories is that there's kind of a layer of telling a story around the spanish civil war that kind of bookends the thing and a lot of people have been a bit divided over whether that matters basically she's a photographer taking photographs of a 
Penelope Cruz's character, um, Janice, is taking pictures of um, a famous anthropologist. And then at the end of it, she goes up saying, would you mind digging up my great granddad? I think he's in a hidden mass grave in our village, but we're not allowed to go near it. And you're like, oh, that's a bit weird. And she's trying to get him to sponsor like a, a dig. So what it really alludes, those of us in Ireland have reference points for that from the Troubles. Anyone in Canada and Australia will have a reference point for that based on, um, you know, truth and reconciliation programs for Indigenous people and the reparations paid to them by the government. So Spain is only kind of coming to terms with all that. And Almodovar hasn't really looked at that that much. So that... She, that's basically who the dad is. So you have this weird thing when they have to do DNA tests with the baby, then it's a bit like the work he does on like remains and graves. And it's slightly linked together. I do think it worked, but that's been the thing that divided people, whether that book it's ending is a bit or... shoehorned in narratively to just, but I think it worked and worked brilliantly. And I absolutely love the film. So have I sold it to you? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, would like to go see it. Five stars from yourself. Sounds it's like a, a it's a f- no, it's a four and a half probably. Yeah, there's okay. a few. Bits a lot of heavy ones. hitters so far. Yeah, I know this is the well. This is a good thing with this time of the year. There's a, only positivity um, in most of the films that you see, and people can be really selective, so you can have mm. about you wait for reviews. We'll talk quickly about a crappy enough film, but if you're looking for something light, uh, there's a new Scream film out. Um, it's 25 years since the original. Um, Gosh, you're one, Courtney Cox doesn't look 25 yeah. years older at all. Neve Campbell looks great. Um, so it's uh, Scream Five technically, um, but they've just decided to call it Scream. And Isn't that call, like yeah, yeah. the worst? That almost should be a crime. How does IMDb tackle that? Put it in brackets. 2021. Yeah, it just it still comes up as Scream, so you kind of find it handy enough. Um, has a double hander director as well, which always makes me a bit. Mm, so it's directed by uh, Tyler Gillette and Matt Alpen, who um, directed Ready or Not, which kind of, I don't know if it got a cinema release, but lots of people might have seen it on streaming services about a crazy family who do, do like a hide and seek. And um, it's that if you get found, you get killed. So, um, you know, definitely have dipped their toe in the water of horror. Um, so it's kind of um, Ghostface has come back and it started killing people. It kind of rehashes the opening with uh, Drew Barrymore that was in the original. Um, we've been the whole new cast of characters as well as the original, like uh, David Arquette, Courtney Cox, and Eve Campbell come back. Um, it's very self-referential, but kind of annoyingly so. And it's just a rehash of everything. You kind of initially are like, oh, that's probably the killer. And then it kind of does the classic thing of, you know, it'll follow somebody around the house. They'll open a cupboard door. They'll close it. There'll be nobody there. They do that about five times. And then on the fifth time, they will do, uh, you know, someone gets stabbed in the back. Again, it's quite violent. And I don't know if I'm just getting old or what, but like, you're kind of like, this is kind of gross. Yeah. But who's it for as well? Like, I didn't, opted not to see it. Um, Mm. But with all of these, like... What are you giving out of five? Sorry, before I... Oh, uh, two. Two, okay, yeah. yeah. So anyway, we went to see The Matrix um, Resurrections and both kind of enjoyed it, I mm, think, mm. because they tried to do something genuinely The way they brought it back was good. Looped it around. It was self-referential, but in a very knowing way. It was kind of made for fans. Now, which film made more money in the cinema? Which film, please, got better ratings 
and generate more revenue and HBO Max subscriptions or whatever the new metric is, I don't know. But it is possible to look back on your own catalogue. And that kind of weird thing of 20-year-old properties that are now being recycled. Um, and you're kind of wondering who's the film aimed at because... That's like, what I mean. Like, yeah, as in, like, the Matrix one is made for, for probably our generation, maybe who saw mm. it in secondary school or in college or then watched it, mm. you know, and it, you know, kind of like Fight Club and it's of that golden era, what we will call our golden era of like yeah. 99 through to 2001, 2002. So like we have films that are cherished from that time, but there's enough time passed where nostalgia makes sense. Whereas they kept making Scream films that haven't really gone No, long too long. Enough. It was it 10 was years, I think, it. for Scream 4. And it just seems yeah. like a bit of a cash grab. Um, so yeah, kind of disappointing. But if you want something light and dumb. Yeah. We will talk in more depth next month about Belfast because you haven't got to see it yet. And obviously you're a bit of a Nordy. So you've a bit of a reference. But um, I saw it... Uh, Liked it more than I thought I would based on the trailer. And yeah, I've lots from the of trailer, it seems yeah. like it's aimed at people who don't live in Ireland. Yeah, yeah. It's th- There's so much to discuss with it. There's so many talking points that really it's only fair to come back to it when we've both okay. seen it. As a spoiler, it breaks my rule of uh, kind of, it's filmed in black and white, but then randomly they just chuck in bits of colour, like if they're shown... Like Schindler's films. List or something. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is told from Kenneth Branagh's childhood. So there's a lot there. It's not really aimed at us at all. Uh, so a good few people are convinced. I don't know if Kermode said it. We're like... Best picture, yeah. It'll win it. Like, it won't get a nomination. It will win it. And I'm like, yeah. what? So there you go. Anyway, we're going to look at that in more depth when mm. we know what the Oscar noms are. And... Um, I suppose in that yeah. vein, I'll just mention quickly because a lot of people would have seen it. I think it came out before Christmas. Uh, the Lost Daughter. It's on Netflix now. It's directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, stars Olivia Colman, Jesse Buckley and Dakota Johnson. Uh, loved it. It's a quite an awkward watch at times. Makes you feel really uncomfortable and gets under your skin. But it's a great kind of film that you don't see too much where it's just like, yeah, maybe being a mum isn't all fantastic and sweetness and light. Um, Olivia Colman's brilliant and Jesse Buckley's brilliant. Uh, Dakota Johnson, really, really good. Um, bit of a turn from Ed Harris. Oh, and Paul Meskel's in it as well. Didn't know that. He kind of pops up, but um, yeah, really, really good film. Um, so hopefully there'll be some Oscar buzz about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thumbs up. I agree with all of that, definitely. And uh, like, I think, did, was that, that out on New Year's Day or something? So you're like, oh, great. I just saw some films in my films of the year kind of list. But we didn't have this last year. Like, I think there's more, it's a better range of things. Um, speaking of stuff you can find online, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar was on my playlist for the weekend. This is on Apple, Google. It's one of these you can pay 14 euros. It hasn't shown up on any of the free services, but it's some of the team from Bridesmaids who show up and just related to Belfast, Jamie Dornan is in it, doing a rare comedy bit. Um, it's absolutely mental. It's kind of like Spy Kids, but for adults. And it's got killer mosquitoes, talking crabs. Christmas uh, Stewart, voiced right? by No, uh, no Kristen Wiig. Freeman. Yeah, Annie Mumolo and Kristen Wiig. And yeah, it's a bit of fun. Light, brainless, yeah. so bright, colourful, mm. um, all that kind of thing. So yeah, that's a, a solid three mm. um, i'm enjoying kristen wig in the slight tv talk but it's related to a film um gruber they've turned it into a tv you're watching show. the series yeah, yeah it's quite funny yeah. um i enjoy it uh where is it uh no tv but it's peacock is the thing so i don't know if yeah. peacock is the new hulu or what 
Uh, Peacock is NBC's pr- product mm. that they um, have launched in America and now has been kind of picked up by Sky, kind of syndicated. So it's oh, another... Okay. It was their... Yeah, NBC stuff was also on Hulu, I think, but it was the... Like, mm. Peacock bought the WWE Network and stuff like that, so... Yeah, so, so it's on Sky. It's one of the sub-things, but all... And, like, the way Stars is on Disney. Oh, Disney. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's all... Yeah. It's all the same. Fox owns everything. Uh... So finally from me for this month is JFK. Um, it's kind of a strange one. Like I'll describe it now. It was again, saw it on Now TV. I What's think his full name? HB, what? What's his, it's not just called JFK. Yeah. Is it called JFK Revisited? No. So it's called through JFK Through the Looking Glass. Right. But there's also JFK Destiny Betrayed. So on HBO or behind it, it's an Oliver Stone documentary. Okay, Doherty. I watched the four hour it seems to have been put together as like, here's four hour episodes. And he was like, I'm not going to get that into the cinema. So when I went to look at the film, which was called Through the Looking Glass, I realized, oh, this is just the four hours condensed into a two hour package. And then if you see the film it's on some streaming sites, you can be like, here's the other two episodes, which are called Destiny Betrayed. Whereas really, they just put it all together on Now TV as here's four episodes of this. Um, it's really good. It's, so which version did you see? The Now TV one? The four hour. Four by one hour. Yeah, four by one hour called uh, Destiny Betrayed. Um, cool, thanks. Oh, wait, you're going to review this? Yes. Now that we've discussed Now we've discussed it. Uh, how old do you think Oliver Stone is? Um, okay. Uh, 69. He's 75. So he's really up there with one of our kind of oldest uh, great directors. And I recently read... Uh, his first part of his autobiography because I said there'd be more Chase in the Light which is fantastic we're talking about books on the podcast now it's really good it's related to films though um, it, it's a really good documentary kind of and because it has the you know the insanity of the JFK film with the direction style kind of removed it's more like here are the facts here's what we've discovered since here's why it's really obvious that he didn't act alone there was all this kind of stuff that has come to light further coming out as, as a result of the JFK film. There was a whole act and uh, stuff passed through Congress as a result of the film. And now lots more stuff has kind of come to light. So it's really good. It's really fascinating. And one of the really kind of sad things about the film is like, there's that key scene in the JFK film where it's uh, Donald Sutherland and Kevin Costner talking about the whole you know why did it happen and blah 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 and it's just really sad that he was killed because he had this whole agenda of going around the world trying to make all these uh, peace relations with different nations and then it it expertly shows it in the documentary how here's all the changes he was making and the second he was shot all those kind of go back um so yeah really worth checking out i don't know if it'll be on now tv i think it they'll try and get it out into the cinema like it was only up for a couple of weeks so it might try and get back into a cinema run and then go on to one of the streaming sites again but well worth checking out very good in the vein of four by one hour documentaries there's a new series that's landed on showtime in america and debuted at sundance last week it doesn't have a uk distributor yet or a uk or irish but i've seen the first episode um so it's kamau bell's we need to talk about cosby and it's all about bill cosby and uh it's very very good so I don't know where that's going to show up either yet. but it's, Probably Now TV. They yeah. seem to have a good relation. Like, they basically seem to be showing everything Showtime. Yeah. So I'd say that's going to be there in a little while. But um, just the whole thing, one of those weird, 
you know, that Badermeinhof complex thing that mm. you don't hear of anyone. Um, but I learned a lot about Dick Gregory, who was this early 1960s black comedian, the first one to get proper TV um, placements on The Tonight Show and everything like that. But he then gets got loads of mentions in John Ronson's new podcast, uh, which is talking about culture wars and loads of things like that. And it was one of those freak out moments where I was like, I'd never heard of this man. And now I'm hearing loads of stuff. So there we go. We've, we've, our timer is up. We've run out of time. We've covered enough. Yes. So what, Porik? Um, that's called We Need to Talk About Cosby. You can't see it anywhere except in the darker sides of the internet if you want to go <laughs> digging for it. But it's yeah. going to show up, we imagine, on Now TV um, very soon. Porik, what do you want to close yeah, out the so podcast with? Just to close out in the vein of the JFK documentary, it's a snippet of his uh, speech. It's kind of it was dubbed the peace speech and uh, it's kind of mad. He was he gave the speech in June of 1963 that he was assassinated four months later in November. And just with all the stuff going on with Ukraine and Russia at the moment, it's kind of I think it's quite poignant. So we're just going to finish on a clip with that. And we'll be back next month to talk all about the Oscars. It's our favorite time of the year. What kind of a peace do I mean and what kind of a peace do we seek? Not a Pax Americana. Enforced on the world by American weapons of war. Not the peace of the grave or the security of the slave. I am talking about genuine peace, the kind of peace that makes life on earth worth living, the kind that enables men and nations to grow and to hope and build a better life for their children. Not merely peace for Americans, but peace for all men and women. I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Cone it out. Chocolate. It doesn't say anything about a chocolate, does it?